Welcome to Navigate, the podcast that helps you safely and securely traverse the globe. Alongside travel industry experts and global travelers, we'll gather insights and advice that help you manage any pitfalls or problems that may occur while you're away from home. Our voyage of discovery starts now. Welcome to Navigate. My name is Deborah Harvey and I am the Operations Manager of Clinical Services at World Travel Protection. I would like to welcome back AMRA Flying Doctors. This is our second episode with them and the last in our season one. I have joining me today Stephen Ambuya, Chief Commercial Officer, and Jane Munya, our Medical Assistance Manager. Thank you both for joining me today. Hi, Deb. Jane, would you like to tell me about a bit of a day in a life at AMRA Flying Doctors? Uh, thank you for that question, Deb. So as the medical assistance manager, what I do is uh, report to the office in most, most times in the mornings. And what I will do is get a, a brief on the ongoing activities, whether it's pending or active air ambulance requests or whether there are other activities like medical escorts or assistance services. So are the assistance services are typically guarantees of payments that we'll place on behalf of our partners like WTP, provide ground transport, gathering medical reports. And then sometimes we have um, out of the ordinary activities, you know, like training, because we have a quite an active uh, training department. So this involves uh, conducting our advanced cardiac life support, basic life support, first aid courses. And then we either have, usually have other requests like medical standbys, you know, for schools or, you know, sporting events. And then basically, you know, churning out quotes for air ambulance requests and just following up on feedback for such requests, whether a client is going to use us or not. So usually my my responsibilities and my immediate focus usually is to, to review the assistance cases, whether they came as a result of a direct air ambulance request or it was a direct request from our partners. So what I do is I will usually sit down with the staff who is uh, involved in uh, handling the case management and reviewing, you know, each case one by one, just to see that all issues are addressed. You know, one thing about assistance cases, and I'm sure you 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 also may be aware of it, is that it's it's they're very detailed in nature. You know, it's it's sort of like a day to day uh, plodding away at the process. You have a partner like yourselves way far, you know, way back in, you know, far as far as Australia. And you're relying on AMRA flying doctors to assist, you know, your clients who is in a in a critical situation and needs assistance. So they can be quite tense can be a bit frustrating when you're not able to get uh, obtain information as quickly as it's needed. But of course, does, that doesn't happen all the time. But, you know, it's like I said, it's a, a day to day plodding, hacking away at, at assistance cases and making sure that um, they get completed. But I would say, Deb, that we, we Amre Flying Doctors has built a very good network in the Eastern Africa region. And we have built very reliable core relationships with key service providers in the region, whether it's hospitals whether it's the uh, transport industry, hospitality industry, you know, sometimes you have the unfortunate task of assisting with repatriation of human remains. So, you know, a funeral home, you need to have a few contacts of those. And, and, and basically, you know, just building a good relationship with our local and regional representatives. So that's really, 
a day in the life of a medical assistance manager. <laughs> Absolutely. I guess that you're correct that this uh, assistance business is all about relationships and communication because yes. the cases are really challenging and complicated when you're moving yeah. people who are critically unwell Anywhere around the world, especially during pandemic, it takes a lot of logistics and it's all about the detail. If you get one big roll, it can have an adverse effect, which is almost the best part and the worst part about the job. I like that it's challenging and the variety. It's really interesting. And you do collaborate a lot with different providers. So what do you like most about your role? Well, I, I, you know, as you correctly said, it's about building relationships. I mean, I've been in AMREF for quite a while. And I think over the years, we've built lots and lots of relationships with with different, uh, you know, partners, whether it's, Mm. you know, if somebody in um, Uganda, for example, you know, I'm able to easily call up our local representative and, you know, I know he'll sort me out. The mm. fact that it's 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 never the same today, the, what, how I handle a case today will not be the same as I will handle it tomorrow. So, you know, that variety and that dynamism, uh, the challenge and, and, and uh, I guess at the end of the day, it's really the success stories. You know, you have you have somebody come from so far, you, you, you pick them up by ambulance and then they come into Nairobi you know, you're doing the day-to-day follow-ups, you're, you're collaborating with the physicians or the consultants who are looking after the patient, you're collaborating with the finance departments in that facility, you know, the, the, the lab technicians, the, the pharmacies, you know, just to make sure that, uh, you know, our partners, clients are, are, are well taken yeah. care of. And then, you know, comes the completion when we are told, okay, Fine. I think we are ready to repatriate this uh, client back home. We would like our reflying doctors to close the case. And then, you know, we move on to the next process. So maybe it will be arranged, uh, arranging a commercial escort. So it's just that that variety and adds a lot of oomph to the case management. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Can you tell me about uh, a recent assistance case that was interesting and or challenging for you? Yes, Um so we had we had a, a request, and this was actually a request from your one of your subsidiaries, WTP Canada. They had a patient whom we had to pick up from Bagram in uh, Afghanistan, and there was the logistics mm-hmm. bit of organizing for the the medivac flight. And you know, in in a COVID situation, that whole process has become quite yeah. uh, rather prolonged. You know, you have to get a PCR test, whether it's positive or negative. And this happened to be a positive uh, COVID case. There's the clearances and the permits and, and, and all that that needs to be mm-hmm. that needs to be sorted. So we eventually got the patient into Nairobi and we were requested to provide assistance with placing guarantee of payment at, at the hospital. So what does a guarantee of payment involve? It's re- really I'm reflying doctors extending credit on behalf of WTP and saying that we are going to take care of the medical costs. We are going to follow up on the medical reports. We are going to ensure that the patient is receiving the care that he needs to receive or she needs to receive. And then, you know, making sure that when the time comes for the patient to be discharged, we are keeping WTP updated on what's going on so that they are also able to make a decision whether it's being reported back home or, you know, going back to his place of employment yeah, so the challenge really was in, in for these cases was keeping costs, keeping a tab on the costs, 
you know, we we are saying that when we, you know, we take on an assistance case on your behalf, we also want to manage the costs. We don't want the patient to be overcharged. You know, we want yeah. to make sure that you're getting a value for money, so to speak. Um, you know, we, we make sure that the patient has been admitted, was admitted under the right panel of doctors because we, you know, over the time, as I said, we've built relationships. So following up on the reports, keeping a tab on the costs, which I've already mentioned. And eventually when this uh, patient was ready to, to go back home, you know, facilitating a COVID test, yeah. ensuring that it's negative, that he has a fit to fly so that his repatriation back to Australia because he was Australian. Uh, that was sorted out and he was able to travel back home without any hitches. And I guess if, if obviously travel will resume again. Yeah. And when it does, obviously, what do employers, businesses and other organisations need to consider when they're deploying mm-hmm. staff to Central mm-hmm. and Eastern Africa? Yeah, I think it's it's just really for them to have the comfort of knowing that there's a professional provider in the region who can assist yeah. their clients, whether it's WTP or other partners, you know, that we can assist with evacuation and their medical assistance needs. And you don't have to have the worry of, of, of wondering uh, what do, you know, who's going to take care? Where does our patient or our client or our member or employee need yeah. to go in, in, in case they fall sick? You know, we, we have been involved in, in emergency response drills and just ensuring that we're able to give them real time information on whether it's airstrips available, airstrips available, medical facilities within the area. The employees could go in case they become unwell. And also, you know, we had uh, challenges with our you know bed yeah. capacity. So we would be easily, you know, we're able to let you know that, you know, yes, you, your patient can if they're coming to Nairobi, for example, at least there's an availability of a critical bed and et, et cetera. It's a lot to consider, but I think as we move forward, we'll be living with the pandemic for years to come. I think it's going to change the yeah. way people travel. People will still travel, but again, it's all about that communication and technology and relationships yeah. and people who have on the ground knowledge and sharing that knowledge. Yes, that's 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 very true. And I and and I'm I mean I'm happy to say that we, you know, our relationship with WTP, for example, has not come just yesterday. <laughs> it's been years. No, not at all. <laughs> it's yeah. been, yes, it's been yeah. years building <laughs> building that relationship. And and, and I think yeah. it's it's going to take us places, you know, when thinking into the future. Definitely. As we as Amre Flying Doctors also thinks of expanding its network, you know, who knows, one day we might be in the Australian market. <laughs> yeah, maybe, you never know. Honestly, I I don't say never, say never again. <laughs> yeah. Because look at where we are now. Yeah. Yes. You know, the other the, the other important information that we give to our partners is, you know, just letting them know about the challenges of mm. uh that are prone to a region, you know, from a logistical or safety point of view. And, you know what security challenges there might be in, mm. in, uh, in, you know, certain parts of the region. I remember. Oh, and payment. When, remember payment yeah. is a big issue in certain yes. countries. In certain well. countries. Yes, exactly. You are not, you're not able to move. You wouldn't be able to move money as easily as you'd like to. No. If I just you give a very. You cash sometimes, don't you? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because they won't yeah, re- discharge the patient. I think we've had that quite a few times. Yes, because they want a cash payment. So, you know, yeah. that's where we'll come in and say, hey, we will 
we will guarantee the payments and, you know, we'll, we'll effect a, a, an EFT, you know, a money transfer as soon as possible. But just let the patient uh, be discharged and go home. Yeah. I was just going to yeah. say, if you recall, there was um, a volcanic eruption in, in one of this, mm-hmm. um, in the DRC recently. And, you know, we had questions mm-hmm. about, uh, can we fly into Goma? Can we, is it safe for mm-hmm. our, you know, employees, yeah. employers wanted to know whether it's safe for their members to be in the region. So you see, it's, it's real, real-time information that we are able to provide for, for our partners. It is, definitely. I guess we've discussed before that obviously the pandemic has had a huge impact on all of our businesses in terms of, you know, we've had to change direction. We've had to do things that we've never had to um, do before in terms of liaising and communicating with a lot of different areas that were straightforward before, I guess, with COVID. I guess we will travel again, but it won't be the same. I guess the pandemic, even the At the beginning, I was thinking, oh, this may be a short-term thing, but as it's now going on for over, what, 12 months, I've realised that COVID will impact our lives probably for the rest of my lifetime, I guess. So as organisations, businesses and employers kind of grapple that path because people will travel, businesses still need to operate and when global borders do open again uh, as more more people get vaccinated, what do you think businesses, organisations and employers need to consider when they're thinking of sending staff to Central or East Africa? Uh, Thanks, Deb. Uh, Great to be here. So I think uh, yeah, definitely it's been a very interesting uh, period for the for the world in this COVID-related emergency. And I think what we've seen definitely in the region, and previously we work obviously very closely with the partners like WTP who have members or clients in our region, Eastern Central Africa, specifically from an assistance point of view. And initially, we've uh, provided, if you like, information support. Uh, So when the members come to the area, we have sort of on the ground information from a point of view of assisting them from, you could say almost from emergency response or health-related assistance. So looking at where they're based and what would be the logistical support they would need in the event of an emergency looking at what are the medical facilities around where they operate uh, so that they can be assisted in that regard. And even in in some situations where it's possible, we we do even do drills just to support and they can be able to function and have peace of mind as they're doing their projects. And I think in the COVID context, I think one of the learnings that we have is being very aware of the different, like Africa is a big continent. So we have, uh, you know, over 50 countries on the continent with different requirements uh, for COVID uh, in relation to COVID restrictions and travel. And so it's very important to be aware of where you're going to specifically be based or be traveling and what is the specific requirements uh, for that country or for that region, but not only what is formally put out by the authorities, uh, there's usually a time lag or discrepancy, if you like, of what's put out and what's actually happening on the ground. And there's a lot of dynamism um, around that. And, and part of the, the work we do in supporting our partners is having on, on real-time information and being able to, uh, to share that and assist them with that. I think we also, in the interim, with the sort of vaccination drive that uh, that's happening there is a low uptake uh, you know globally but definitely in africa it's a bigger challenge 
from just a supply point of view already, but also it's expected with the complexity of the African continent that you'll have a different approach for the uptake or implementation of it. So we expect that COVID in the, in the next 12 to 18 months will still be a challenge for the continent. And, and so I think it's important that businesses that have projects or are considering or have members coming to Africa uh, to be aware that risk continues, but with vaccination, with the requirements and with organizations like ours, we can provide the support and we can be able to, you know, give them the comfort that if this situation happens, one, we are very aware of the challenges in the region. Uh, it's a very dynamic continent, as you know, that we are able to respond to medical emergencies from the evacuation point of view and get them to medical facilities. We are able to provide even information from an assistance point of view of what, what you can do. And so that um, we do have even right now, obviously, organizations that continue to function in this region. And I think the value add for us and that we're able to provide them is that support. And so that, so that they feel that even if you have sort of a risk environment, there are mitigations and there are uh, organizations on the ground that can help, help them uh, if need be. Yeah, I think absolutely. When I've been thinking about what travel looks like and even just traveling myself now in Australia where I hadn't been before, it made me even think about uh, like getting to the airport. How long do I need to go through the airport? What do I need to consider if, if something changes? And I guess there's two things for me, I think, that will be critical in people having some certainty around the uncertainty of now the world we live in. And I think it's technology and communication. And I think obviously there is with Africa, as you said, it's a big, big place. It's a big continent. And having you as our partner, giving us that information of what's happening now is is critical. Would you agree? Yeah. So I think that one of the things that I can say we've, we've learned in this COVID context is one that we see ourselves working a lot more closer with, with the industry. I think one of the strengths of being part of the insurance and assistance industry was the ability to get real-time information from partners in different regions. And I think we are very keen to work closer. In fact, uh, one of our experiences we learned during the for evacuation point of view, it was a very uh, complex time because of the different requirements the authorities has to move patients around. And we relied quite a bit on wing-to-wing operations with other operators. But also we relied on our partners who are our clients like WTP, where you're even moving patients out and you needed information on the other end that was changing as well. Uh, and I think one of, one of the things we've learned uh, in, in the interim is we want to build stronger collaborations with partners in the industry going forward. We still think there will be a lot of COVID movements in the, in the Eastern African continent. So we, we being based in East Africa, and Nairobi being the center of medical excellence that pretty much covers the Eastern African region, including Central Africa, the Oceanic Islands like Seashells, Mauritius, Comoros. We still see that there'll be more influx into Nairobi for stabilization. And uh, so, so a key thing for us, again, is getting closer with, with monitoring the stability of even the center itself. So whenever we've had fluctuations of COVID and we have bed capacity challenges, then working out 
what happens if Nairobi as a center of excellence is battling with, with challenges with beds and what other solutions we can have. And this is part of the, the engagement we have within the industry of getting that information and finding solutions of where you can still move patients, whether you can still provide assistance when the system itself is struggling to do that. And I think also we are keen to build our agility. I think it was a, we adapted fairly well with a lot of pain. I think we've talked about agility before as organizations, as, as an industry, or even as leadership. But last year was a good test of, of how agile you need to be. And I think we are looking at our systems even more to prepare for what is turning out to be what we real, we call change. We always say change is constant, but I think COVID has made it very tangible. And so asking ourselves, how well prepared are we to adapt uh, to certain situations? And how best can we be better prepared to, to be flexible, if you like, and be able for different teams within the organization, even different skills, to be arranged differently to respond and to give our partners uh, solutions. And I think also, I think one of the things we've also learned is I think as an industry that it's important for the industry and even in our situation, take a little bit of more leadership uh, to advise. I think we are a very niche, unique industry that provides a very critical service and I think we saw how it was useful for us to also get in the driving seat, work with the authorities in the region who everyone was struggling to know what to do. And we sort of, with the support of the industry, with the support, with our understanding of our experience and expertise to say, we can provide solutions in this difficult situation. Yeah. So I think these are, these are the things we are working hard to get better at uh, having been a very successful but grueling <laughs> grueling 12 months as a team yeah nothing has tested our business more than covid but it has also given us an opportunity i guess to look at our our processes our leadership where to now and prepare for when travel does return. Obviously, cases, we're still managing cases and we're, they're just a bit, lot more complex and logistically challenging and with all the, the extra things that you need to consider. But I think it's future-proofing, thinking, okay, this is not a one-off event. Things will change in the future, probably in the next 6, 12, 18 months, 2 years. But how can we better be better? And I think that collaboration piece, I think, is really important. And I agree is that especially if we are going to travel, and people will, and obviously, you know, Nairobi being that centre of medical excellence and obviously people travelling again back to these areas are working, we have to be prepared if if the worst happens because the worst did happen, but it could happen again. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that collaboration bit, is, uh, I think it's very useful. I think as an industry, we are very grateful actually to be part of it because we did get a lot of uh, information support just to understand what's happening globally and help us prepare and I think also uh, we've learned to work uh, much closer with our providers as well and really understanding that the whole chain is critical. So we're looking forward to the travel coming back. I think the entire world is is in need of, of travel. Yeah. And we want to be part of that industry that gives the assurance or at least uh, provides some certainty for both from an information point of view, but also that we are prepared when 
or if this situation happens again or gets worse, that we are also good. we can provide support and allow the travel industry to continue to function even in where there's sort of difficult situation as this one. Yeah. I've said it a lot of times in the last few days. I think we just need to provide some certainty when there is uncertainty. That's the nature of our business. We've always done that. We've been tested, but I think that that's the future. Travel will resume. And how can we be most prepared and ready for when the travellers do travel again? Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us. This is obviously the last of our session for season one, and we look forward for you to joining us in season two. Thank you for listening to this episode of Navigate, the World Travel Protection Podcast that steers you in the right direction, helping you explore the world safely. For more information on how we protect millions of global travellers each year, visit worldtravelprotection.com or follow us on LinkedIn. We'd love to connect. Finally, if you've enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more from my experts, be sure to hit subscribe or follow or please leave us a review. Until next time, keep travelling and stay safe.